All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us here this morning, this Sunday morning, uh, to come and worship uh, our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. Of course, in the auditorium, would you please stand as we lead some worship here this morning? Here we go. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lie. Better life. There's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a savior, he's a prison shaking savior. He's a chain-breaker. We've all stretched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. Well, this ain't, he's a pain-taker. Sing it louder, 
shake and crumble at your name the oceans roar and tumble at your name 
morning, everyone. Have a seat. We're glad that you're here. So good to be with you this morning. I want to welcome all of those joining us online. I want to also welcome our guests in the house. If you are our guest this morning, and maybe you, today's your first day, or maybe this is week two or week three, um, make sure you stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. We would love to talk with you and just connect with you. Uh, get to know your story. Get to know you. Uh, and we also, like I said, we have a gift for you by just saying thanks for being our guest this morning here at Crossroads. So please stop by the Welcome Center on your way out and connect with us. If you're online, let us know that you are our guest, and we would love to connect with you online as well. Church, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's 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 the banner. That's where we're headed, and that's our mission. And one of those things if, that, that just is on mission is our extravaganza. Our extravaganza is happening on April 1st. This is a uh, family event. This is for your kids, but it's a whole family event. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to do a couple things. One, get your kids signed up and then invite another family to join you to come up 
to this hill and hang out. And we're going to be all the way in that backfield like where we had Trunk and Treat. And it's going to be a carnival theme. So there's going to be carnival games to play. And it's going to be a phenomenal day. So that's going to be on April 1st. There's three different time slots. You can, uh, you can participate. And there's going to be all kinds of fun things. Listen, I want to encourage you. Check in your bulletin. There's that handout. And uh, you can serve and be a part of the team that helps put this entire event on. So if you're interested in serving, you have questions about extravaganza, stop by the, the foyer table and talk with Kim and the team, and they would love to answer any questions and, uh, and be able to help you out. And listen, this is going to be a big, big event, and we encourage you to pray uh, for all those who will attend. It's going to be an awesome day, April 1st. And then our Good, fi- our good Friday gathering is going to be at 7 p.m. And uh, so please encourage you to join, uh, join us. We're going to have a night of worship and focus on the sacrifice of Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And then Easter weekend, uh, we're going to be having a Saturday night uh, service at 6 p.m. And then 8 a.m. on Sunday and 9.30 and 11. So 6 p.m. on Saturday, 8 a.m. on Sunday, 9.30 and 11 are all of our Easter gatherings. So we look forward to seeing everybody and encourage you. And, you know, ask someone. Don't assume. Never assume. Never assume that somebody else at the church has a place to go and invite them to to join you on Good Friday and then uh, throughout the Easter weekend. It's going to be a wonderful time to celebrate all that Christ has done for us. Again, just back to that mission. It's all about Jesus. Everything is about Christ. Everything is about Jesus. Church, would you stand with me as we continue on this morning in song? Um, you know, church, God's grown us in many ways. And um, as we read the word, as we spend time together in community, and one of the ways we worship God is with our finances. And I want to say thank you for worshiping the Lord through giving, uh, for being faithful and giving unto the Lord. You can give online. You can use the offering boxes. Uh, you can give through the mail. But thank you, church, for being faithful. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, for, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, as we focus on you, as we fellowship together, as we hang out, as we just talk and catch up afterwards and before, and Lord, now as we sing, and Lord, here in a minute, as we open up your, your word, uh, the Bible, God, as we grow in un- our understanding of you, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Uh, just show us something different today. Maybe help us understand something in a different way this morning. Uh, that we would walk out of here changed because we've met with you. We love you so much, Jesus, in your name. Amen. to be here. 
run and flee at the mention of your name, King of Majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I greatest question that you will ever ask and you will find an answer for. We're going to open up the scripture here and we're going to be taking the next few weeks and we're going to look at that. Jesus is and fill in the blank. And I think if you were to go out into our world today and ask people, who is Jesus? You would get all kind of fill in the blank there, wouldn't you? You'd get all kind of things that, that people would say. Some people would say he's just a good guy. Some people would say, what does God say? That, he, that Jesus is. Who is Jesus according to the scripture? And as we go on this journey, heading towards the King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, who he is. Um, we're going to start today in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to look through, as we look through this passage, I want you, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. 
And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. We start off the passage here. He's coming into uh, the final week of, the, of, the, of his life here. He's heading up to Jerusalem. He's in Jericho, and as he leaves Jericho, Jericho is a city that is about 800 feet below sea level, okay? And then as you go up to, as you go up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is about 2,000 feet above sea level. So he's got quite a journey that he's going to go on. And as he's going on this journey, he's down there in Jericho. And Jericho's kind of like the, uh, the, the, the happening place. Josephus called Jericho the fattest city in the land. You know, like, you know, meaning very prosperous, right? Not, not like fat. Not like a bunch of fat people live there, right? But, but like you would say, you know, Josephus called this fat before it was cool. You're like, that's fat. You know, remember whenever you used to say that, right? That's, oh, dude, that's fat, right? This is the fattest city in the land, the most prosperous and wealthy city in the land. And it was the rich, uh, you see that Lazarus here is rich. I'm sorry, Zacchaeus. You see Zacchaeus here is rich. He's a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So there's a lot of, a lot of money flowing around this town. It's a, it's a happening place. It's kind of like Las Vegas is today. It's kind of like Palm Springs. It was a, uh, a happening place where there's a lot of money going around. So here we find that, uh, and we meet up with this man here. And he is Zacchaeus. He's the tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. He's rich. And this is in contrast to the chapter before. This was dealt with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes up to him in chapter 18 and says to him, basically, what do I have to do in, to inherit the kingdom of God? And he tells him, well, if you want to get to heaven, basically, you've got to be perfect. You've got to obey all the law. And he, Jesus was trying to help him see that he needed a Savior because he knew that you couldn't obey all the law. Nobody has perfect. Nobody would be able to keep all that. And this man insisted that he did. And so he came back to him, and, and Jesus said, okay, so, so you think you have. Well, let me tell you. Sell everything that you have and go, go give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the man walked away sad. And then the very next verse says that Jesus was also saddened by his response. And then Jesus goes on to this teaching. He says it's easier for a, for a rich man, uh, uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than, than for a rich man to enter into heaven, basically. And what he, wasn't, he wasn't saying that rich people can't go to heaven. He's just saying, look, that when riches are involved, you tend to trust your riches instead of God. And so we move into this next chapter here. Verse 2 here tells us a little something, and I kind of missed this. I don't know why I've missed it, but um, we'll put verse 2 back up. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. We're going to see the story of somebody who's rich and how that they come to God. And so, verse 3, he sought to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but he could not because, he, because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Now, we don't know how tall Zacchaeus was, um, but when I was growing up in the church here, all I knew is they made us sing a song that he was a wee little man. Okay, do you remember that? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? For he chimed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Uh, maybe he was just wee, so it could rhyme with sycamore tree. I don't know, right? But he was just a little guy. And if you go back into archaeology, uh, you look at some of the archaeological finds of, that, uh, of what, what, what they're discovering, the doorways and the entrances into the people's homes give us an idea of the average height of a man in those days. The average height of a man in this area was about five feet. 
So, you know, I'm over five feet. I'm not six foot like the, some of these guys around here, right? But I'm over five. So, so he, had, he, had, uh, he, he, had, he had a wee little man. Like Zacchaeus was wee. You know, I don't know. Was he just something you took out and put on the stool here? I don't know, right? So we know this. He was a short stature. He was a short stature. And verse 4, so he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when he came to the place where he saw him and said to him, he, uh, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus, he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. And what's this? But nobody knew Zacchaeus as pure, innocent, or righteous. Everybody knew him as this, this terrible person. Everybody knew him as this uh, tax collector. Nobody saw him in a good light. Everybody saw him in a bad light. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the, the whole tax system of how they would set up and, and they would take the Jewish people and they would say, okay, we're going we're gonna to tax the people here, but this is how we're going to do it. We're going to have an auction and you can basically bid to get the, tax, the, the right to tax the people. So if you had a little bit of money, you go to the auction and you would say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this so I can make more money. So you go to the auction, you'd, you'd, you'd bid up and you'd, you'd say, okay, I'm going to get it. So let's say, for example, you won the rights you, at the auction to tax Finleyville. And they said, Rome said, all we care is that you get us $200,000 out of Finleyville. If you get us $200,000, we're happy. You can charge whatever you want and then we'll, we'll just take it from there, right? So if you went out and you could get 400000 out of Finleyville, you kept the extra 200000 for yourself. And so it was really a, a corrupt system, and it's just the way that they did it in those days. But here was, here was Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy. He had many tax collectors around him. And, and here he is. He, he's, he's bidding, and he's got this now to not just be a tax collector, but to have people under him and answering to him for all all, uh, all this area. He's the chief tax collector over in Jericho. One man said it like this, I've never seen a monument ever erected to an honest tax collector because there just weren't any honest tax collectors. You know, today we don't really understand this because your tax collectors are honest. Uh, they just, they, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hate paying them, but they're honest, right? They, they just work for somebody else. Here you go. Here, here's your tax burden, right? Um, the, the tax collectors of that day, they were, they were just known for wickedness. They were known for cheating and thieving people. As a matter of fact, they were barred from the synagogue to worship because they were known as the scum of the earth. Roman taxes. You know, what we pay today is nothing compared to what Roman, how the Romans taxed. Um, I know you don't like taxes. I don't like them. There's not a person. I've never met anybody that says, man, I can't wait to file my income tax. Um, you know, that's not too many people. I can't wait to write this check to the U.S. government. Um, not said no one, right? Uh, first of all, they had a, what was called a poll tax. If you were between the ages of 14 to 65 as a, as a male or for a female between the ages of 12 to 65, you had to pay a poll tax just to be alive. Basically, to breathe the Roman air, you had to pay a tax. Uh, beyond that, there was an income tax, another flat 10% on top of that. On top of that, there was a tax on the imported goods. Well, it sounds very familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> we have a lot of these taxes to, the, to this day. On top of that, there were road taxes. 
This is long before Easy Pass, man. They are, they're just taxing you on the road if you use the road. There's a harbor tax, right, uh, to, to, go, to, go, to go around the lake. If you were a fisherman, like in, the, in Galilee or in the, in the Mediterranean, you paid a fish tax. You were taxed by the net, and you were also taxed by, by the individual single fish. There was a ground tax. There was one-tenth of all the grain. Uh, one-fifth of all the wine went to the Roman government. There was a, a cart tax. If you had a cart that you used to take your goods to go to work in, they would tax you by the wheel. Now, if you wanted to work around it, you just get a wheelbarrow, right? You only got one wheel. Today, they still do that, don't they? You go through the toll booth, and it's like they tax you by, by the axle. Um, so if you, have, uh, if you wanted to out, uh, outsmart them, you get, get a wheelbarrow, right? So the tax collector, the, the chief tax collector, was the guy who controlled all of this. And that's what, what we're dealing with. This Zacchaeus, we're dealing with him. He's a, a short little guy, but he's very, very hated. And he runs, and he got up in the, in the, into the sycamore tree. And let me tell you just a little bit about Zacchaeus here. I think that Zacchaeus was actually courageous. He was courageous because everybody hated the guy. And, you know, I've often thought of this guy, when you think of Zacchaeus, I've often thought of him as this little guy, and he's got like this little Bible costume on, you know, like you saw in the picture when you were a kid. Got this little Bible costume on and his sandals. This dude was decked out, man. He had all the money that he needed. Money was not an object for him. He was like, he was living high on the hog. I mean, he was, I guess they didn't have hogs for the Jewish people. Sorry about that, right? But it, he, he, was, he was living high. He was enjoying life. And, and, uh, and, but, but he couldn't even go into the worship place because everybody said he's scum of the earth. They, they said he's unclean. They said, look what he has done. Look, look how terrible this person is. So for him to go out and to climb up into a tree is very courageous because all the crowd would have saw him. The tax collectors always were staying in their little booth. And he came out, and, he, and you could just imagine the people saying, Ooh, that little tax collector. Ooh, I just want to kick him. And that's what they would do. And so for him to come out and go in and, 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 and climb up to the tree, he hears it, and it's, you know, it's got these long branches that go out so that you can climb up there and actually sit on there and let your, let your weight sit on there. It's not going to come breaking and falling down. But, yeah, and I want you to think about this. Not only, not only was he brave, he was childlike. When's the last time you climbed up into a tree? It's probably been quite a while, isn't it? Probably, probably when you were a little kid. Climbed up into the tree. And so he climbs up into the tree and because he wants to see what's going on. And he's curious. He doesn't really know what's going to happen. He's not really sure what to think. But he knows that, listen, he's got all this money and it's not meeting the need. He's, he's hated by everybody. It's just like his life is in shambles. And so he hears about them, uh, about this man, Jesus. And so he goes up into, into Jesus and uh, up into the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus stops. And when Jesus stops, he, he looks at him and he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down quickly. You've got to do this. You, you come down right now. I'm going to go and I'm going to stay at your house. And so, you know, Zacchaeus didn't turn around and say, hang on, let me get a, let me get a selfie first, Jesus, Okay. He doesn't stop. He doesn't in front of everybody. Jesus didn't say, hey, uh, Peter, go over and get this guy out of the tree and have him make dinner for me because I need a fish sandwich tonight. No. He said, Zacchaeus. And he stopped in front of everybody. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. You know, this was going to be the, the best dinner 
the best meal ever. Could you just imagine fixing a meal for Jesus? Like, how cool would that have been? Like, you, you, you're pulling together some bread and some, and some fish. And as he's sitting down there with the bread of life, he, he, he has this encounter. Look what it says there. It says that he came down quickly and he received him joyfully. That is one of the marks of a true believer. When you have found Christ, you will find joy. He came down out of the tree. He found Christ. He finds joy. He received the Lord joyfully. And I think also the Lord received him joyfully. Jesus was not afraid of this man's reputation. He was not afraid of this man's sin. So he, he made haste and he came down with Pharisees and, and, uh, and all the scribes and the religious people. When these people saw this, they all complained saying, He is gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. This shows us that Jesus loves everybody. Listen, in that day, when you were hanging out with a tax collector, it was the same as hanging out. And you know what? Sadly, what happens here, these townspeople, they have done what we typically do in our life, don't we? We basically divide people into two groups. We say, well, there's people that that are, you know, good like me. And then there's those people. Don't we do that? And you know what? God doesn't do that. God doesn't say there's those people. There are no those people in God's book. There's no those people in how God looks at people. When Jesus was here on the earth, he knew Zacchaeus was a, a lion, conniving thief. And Jesus looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, I know your name. Like, nobody told him his name ahead of time. He knew who he was. Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house. Come down quickly. And he does. He comes down quickly. I want you to catch it because the scripture says, Behold, now is the time of salvation. Behold, today is the day of salvation. In other words, if God is calling your name to come out of the tree, you better come on down and have a meal with him. Folks, I think that many people here today, God's been talking to you. God, this is your day. You've been in a tree. You've been looking. You've been watching. You've been checking it out for some time. And God's saying, hey, I got your name. I want you to come down, and I want to have a meal with you. Nowhere else in the Scripture do we find that Jesus invites himself over for dinner. It reminds me of over in Revelation the book of Revelation, whenever Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open his heart's door and, uh, and let me in, I will come in and have fellowship with him. I will eat with him and he with me. So listen, this, there was a difference between knowing about Jesus and opening your heart to Jesus. See, he could have, Zacchaeus could have easily stayed up in the tree and said, I'm fine. Go ahead. You don't need to have me for dinner. My house is dirty. Don't worry about it. You don't want to come over. I'm out of bread. No, he jumped down out of the tree. The master of the universe says, Zacchaeus, come down. And I want to ask you today, that invitation is for you today. If God's calling you, have you been hearing that knock at your heart's door? Like you've been sensing that God's God's wanting more. He wants a relationship with you. Then I want to encourage you, start it today. Start it today. Jesus was not worried about the reputation of Zacchaeus. And let me tell you, God's not worried about your reputation today. God is not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of anything you've ever done, any place you've ever been. Because once you meet up with him, you will have a chance. 
and you won't make the change, God will make the change in you. That's what happens when you get with, it, when you get with the Master, when you get with this Jesus. Verse 8, then Zacchaeus stood up. So after they've had this time of a meal together, it says that Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I am going to give. I give, or I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Fourfold. I'm going to restore fourfold. What was he talking about? Well, well first of all, uh, money doesn't, you know, giving away your money doesn't get you into heaven. That's just, that's just part of restitution, what was happening here. And James 2.20 says that faith without works is dead. So he was, this was an outward sign of his faith. He was, he was going to go and make things right. He was going to take the thing that was the most dear to him. He was a tax collector. He eat, sleep, and drink money. So he comes and he says, I'm going to give half of it back to the poor. I'm going to take care of the poor. And then if I've taken anything from anybody else uh, wrongly, that I've cheated them, I'm going to give them back fourfold. Well, if you go to the law of Moses, you would find out in the book of Exodus, you would find out that if you stole something from somebody, there was a law that basically if you stole something from somebody and you came and you confessed on your own without them having to get, without anybody else getting involved, you repented, you came back, you would have to give back 20%. You would come and you'd say, all right, I'm giving, here's what I took from you, and here's 20% on top of that. Wow. Well, what's this fourfold about? Well, if you, if you go to Exodus 22, verse 1, you would find out that not only was, did you have that, but if you took something that, was, that you couldn't replace, if you took something and let's say it was an animal and you end up killing this animal, in order to re, you couldn't replace that particular animal, right? So you would come back and you would give them not only that, but you would give them fourfold because you took something and it was irreplaceable. Do you realize what was happening here when, when he stood up and said, I'm going to do this? He's admitting his sin. He's turning his sin. He's repenting from his sin. And he's saying, listen, under the law of Moses, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give back fourfold because I have cheated and I've lied and I've stolen and I've ruined people's lives. And you can't get that Jesus responds to him in a powerful way. Jesus says to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. Jesus is saying here, Look, today I'm seeing faith. I'm seeing faith. There's evidence of faith. Like, this is not, again, going and giving money away and making restitution doesn't get you to heaven. But somebody who's going to go to heaven is going to go make restitution. Somebody who has truly let Christ into their heart is going to have an outward change. And so this was an outward change. And he says he is also a son of Abraham. What he's saying there is now I see that he is a true son of Abraham. He's a true child of faith. He was a spiritually poor man. And this day he has become spiritually rich. He was a little man who had missed the mark like we have all missed the mark because we've all fallen short of our sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word sin is a Greek word. It's harmartizo. It means to miss the mark. God had a, a mark and, and that mark is like a bullseye. 
you know, if you go out with a dartboard and you go throwing darts, right? If you go throw darts, what do you want to hit? Jesus? No, all right. <laughs> bullseye, right? If you're throwing darts, you want to hit the bullseye. And, and if you miss the bullseye, it, it don't matter. I mean, you get one point, but you want the bullseye. Nobody stands up and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this. And, 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 but you know what? There's just one problem. That bullseye on a dartboard is so small. Have you ever noticed it? I, I went uh, maybe a little bit better here. I went, went axe throwing this year. Anybody ever go do that? Yeah, isn't that fun? It's even more fun to watch me axe throw. <laughs> so I got up there, and uh, we took our staff up. We're axe throwing as a staff, and uh, we're up at that Kodiak's up there in, in Shalroy, right? And so, uh, you know, I get up there, and the first one I throw, it's like I didn't even hit the cork board. Uh, the second one I threw, I was like bouncing all over the place. And then the guy comes over and goes, hey, come here. Let me show you how you do this. He shows me how to do it. And it's like, all right, I'm going to have to do this. So I, I take it. And I get it, and, and I hit a bullseye. And, and I've got this picture with me with a bullseye, right? Because when you hit the bullseye, it's a memorable event, right? But listen, I don't hit the bullseye too often. And God says here that, that we have fallen short. We're like the wee little man. We, we've missed the mark. The mark is way up here. It's, it's perfection. It's the holiness of God. And the Scripture says that we have missed the holiness of God. And so when you see Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, let me tell you, he doesn't have a those people and the good people. He has it's those sinners, all of us, every last one of us. I'm a sinner just like you are. And we're all to be lumped in with the tax collectors and sinners because that's who we are. We have offended a holy God. And Jesus says to him, look, today I see this man has become spiritually rich. He missed the mark, but he found the mark. He missed the mark, but he found Jesus today. And so this was the beginning of his new life. And then verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Would you read that with me? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus states his very mission right here is to seek and to save that which was lost. Who was lost? It's you. It's me. We're the ones who are lost. He's come to seek and to save us. You know what? You may be sitting here today and say, well, I'm a really good person. You don't understand. I've been in church all my life. I've, uh, I've helped little old ladies across the street. I am a good person. Let me tell you what the Bible says about our goodness. The scripture says that our goodness is as filthy rags. So I want you to imagine you've washed your car. And after a big muddy mess, you've washed the car and and in there are leftovers, the rags that you've washed your car with. And they're just nasty and they're filthy. You're not going to go and wipe your face with it, are you? And God says that that is exactly what your goodness is like. It is like filthy rags. So don't try to offer me your goodness You need the cross. And so God says, your good is good, but it's not good enough. You need the cross. Jesus came and he died. And that was his very mission, was to seek and to save that which was lost. And so every one of us as a human being, we were born lost. You may have had good parents. You may have have gone to church all your life. You may have heard good 
You may have been confirmed and did all those things. But listen, God says, no, that's not good enough. You were lost, and this is why Jesus came. And when we put this whole picture together, that's why Jesus came, and he hung out with sinners, with people like you and me. This shows how much Jesus loved people. He was, he was not worried about his reputation. He wasn't worried what people thought about him. He called Zacchaeus out. Zacchaeus, now, come on, man. I'm, I'm hanging out with you. We're going to have dinner tonight. Zacchaeus receives joy, a mark of a true believer. And I'm going to just say this. If you're lacking joy, you may be lacking Jesus. Because that's really the mark of a true believer. You may go through some hard times. You may go through a lot of grief. But if you don't have Jesus, you'll never find joy. And I want to encourage you to to keep coming back to Jesus because that's where joy is found. Luke chapter 5 talks about another instance. This was Matthew, the tax collector. Um, You know him. He wrote the book of the Bible, Matthew. Uh, You'll see his name in here as Levi. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. That's where they like to hang out, remember? That's That's their only place of safety. And he said to him, follow me. So what had happened was Levi had been watching the events of Jesus because he kept coming around the Sea of Galilee and he would do these miracles, he would do all these teaching, and he kept hearing it and hearing it. So he had come and seen. He kept seeing. And then on this day, Jesus says, come, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. Don't you see the pattern here? After you come to Christ, there's always a celebration and a meal. Amen. Thank God for that, right? Yeah. There's always a celebration and a meal. That's what's been happening. I've been celebrating everybody's meals, right? And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. So this was Levi's t- retirement party. He says, I'm bringing in all my tax collectors, all my... And Jesus is like, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the few non-tax collectors there, him and his disciples. And I can only imagine what the, the other disciples that he already called they were like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, can we call somebody else? Why are you going to call him? Why are you going to, why are you going to do this? Um, he sat there and he hung out with them. He sat down with them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, they complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. And I love how Jesus answered them in this instance. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know, that's the mission of our church, is to help sick people. Because I'm sick, you're sick, we're all sick. We need the great physician. Those that are in need. You see, he continues on, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've not come... So that you can play church and tell me all your good stuff. I've come to call sinners to turn to me. That's what he says. Over in Luke chapter 15 verse 1, the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Folks, Jesus is... A friend of sinners. You say that with me? Jesus is a friend of sinners. 
As a matter of fact, that's how the Pharisees attacked him. Look how Jesus throws it back at him over in Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Another time he's responding to them. He says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine beverage. They're falsely accusing him. And then they say, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Folks, Jesus is a friend of sinners. And thanks be to God, because I am a sinner. You are a sinner. You have missed that mark of God's glorious standard. And we have a friend. Oh, I love what this means for us because this means that Jesus went to the cross for you and he wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to have life now in this life. He doesn't want you to just wait till you die and go to heaven for it to start. He said in John 10.10, I've come that they might have life and they might have it now, an abundant, full, complete life. Let me tell you a little bit about your friend. Jesus, the friend of sinners. He, he, first of all, he understands us. Uh, you may have seen this, this uh, commercial during the Super Bowl. They're trying to do these commercials. It says he gets us, right? And so I don't know if I, uh, I'm in total agreement with any of all their commercials because I haven't seen them all. But let me tell you, God understands you. He understands you. And we know this because in Matthew 121, we see that uh, the, it was foretold that she, Mary, will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save, their pe- save his people from their sins. Over in verse 23, the virgin will be born. Uh, the virgin will be, I'm sorry, the virgin will be with child and will bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Your friend, the friend of sinners, understands you because he came and he lived and he walked this earth and he dwelt among us. He had a body, he had flesh, but yet he was still God. 100% God, 100% man. He understands relationships, human relationships. I wish I understood human relationships. I think they're challenging at times, are they not? Human relationships can be the hardest thing I think about life. Uh, Listen, Jesus understood all about human relationships because he had to deal with them too. I look here in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, the crowd, he's uh, identifying himself as God. And the uh, the people said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him that he would claim to be God. Jesus was born and lived in, this, and lived in this world. He was born of a virgin birth, but yet he walked this earth and lived the perfect life. And the scriptures tell us here that he has all these human relationships. He understood brothers. How would you like to be the brother of Jesus? Mom, how come you never punish him? Yeah. Listen, this is, Jesus had to deal with all this, right? Um, he understands life. He understands the life that you have to, that you are living here on earth. Look at uh, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus came to this earth and he understands everything about you. He understands all the deal with sin because he was tempted and yet he conquered every temptation. And God says that he is your friend. So the friend of sinners understands what you're going through. He understands that whenever you hear that, see that, smell that, think that, that that's your temptation. 
And he says, I'm your friend. He knows everything about you, and yet he's calling you by name, and he's saying, I'm not afraid of your sin. And folks, listen, God's not afraid of your sin today. Because whenever he has this meeting with you, and you have this dinner with him, you'll be able to have this changed life just like Zacchaeus did. And you'll go out and say, okay, I'm ready to go. This is my new life. That stuff didn't matter anymore. That money didn't matter. That, that, that aspiration that I had in that area. These things don't matter because I now have a new purpose and I have a new drive. He is the friend that you can trust your life with. I want you to catch that. He's the friend that you can trust your life with. Over in John chapter 15 verse 13, Jesus talking to his disciples right before he's heading to the cross. He says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And what he's doing is he's drawing on a verse from Proverbs. But what he's saying is, listen, I'm going to lay down my life for you. Make Jesus your best friend. He he laid down his life for you. I want to encourage you to, to come to Jesus and make him your best friend. Come to Jesus as your best friend and surrender to him. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. This is uh, John fifteen fourteen. there. John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. I have called you friends. You're not an enemy of God. You're not a number. You're not, you are the friend of God. He, and thanks be to God that he's the friend of sinners because I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And if you think you're any better than a tax collector, you better relook at the whole picture again. Because God said that your sin is just as bad as that tax collector's sin, as, that, as, that, as the thieving, as the, as the lying. Come to him as a friend and say, Jesus, I'm coming out of the tree today. Today's my day. Uh, talk to him. Hebrews 4.16 tells us this. says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Talk to him. Talk to the Lord God. You get to talk to him every day. He is your friend. He's the friend of sinners. Jesus is your friend, so talk to him as a friend. Trust him with your life. Oh, this is so powerful. Trust him with your life because he laid down his life for you. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. God wants you to believe and receive. Many people have a head knowledge. They believe the facts. God says, I want you to believe and I want you to come out of the tree. And I want you to have dinner with me. I want you to believe and receive. Like today, come to him. And so my question to you today is, is Jesus calling your name? Uh, You're here today. You're you're on some sort of tree. You're looking for Jesus. And and Jesus has stopped today and he says, I want you to come down out of that tree. And I don't want you to wait another day. Make haste. Do it quickly. For I'm coming to your house today. And if you open the door, I'll have dinner with you and we'll have a relationship and your life will be changed and you didn't even know that your life needed changed. 
God's knocking at your heart. Don't, don't say, well, I don't need to come out of this tree. I'm very comfortable in this tree. Come down out of the tree today and believe. Open that heart's door and receive and invite him in as your Savior. In, in just a few moments, I'm going to have a prayer. And, and as I pray, I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to open your heart to Jesus. We are going to celebrate somebody who has in recent days opened their heart to Jesus with a baptism at the end of our service. Amen? Amen. Let's thank God for that. God is moving. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask Lupe to come out, and she's just going to play a little bit on the, on the keys there. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in prayer. And as she just plays just a little bit softly, I want to ask you to come out of the tree today. I want to invite you to Jesus. I, I, I want to invite you to come down. Like the Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day. Don't, don't wait. Hey, don't, don't go home and say, I'll do that next week. Next week may not come. Don't, don't waste another day of your life living without Christ. And, and so Jesus says, come down out of that tree now. Come down today. And I will come to you. And I will be hanging out with you. And we'll have this relationship. And so if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to open your heart. And just in the privacy of this moment, with nobody looking around, would you, would you pray something like this to God? Just pray, Dear Jesus, I'm coming out of that tree today. I'm coming by your invitation. I'm a sinner. I'm like that tax collector. And it's hit me today how much you love me. How much you care about me. So I'm going to invite you into my life right now. I want you to come into my heart and do like you did for Zacchaeus. Do that for me. Because you died on the cross. You paid for my sins. You were buried. And you rose again. So I'm inviting you into my life right here, right now. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. I know that right now in this moment... The spirit of the living God has just stepped into many people's lives. Many people just opened the invitation to come out of the tree, to get out of your tree and to come to Jesus today. He says, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I I think there are some believers in here. Maybe you've been following Christ for some time, but you've been... uh, You've been doing it on your own strength, maybe. Uh, Maybe you've been looking at those people, and there's those people. You've been judging other people. God says, I don't want you to judge anybody because we're all those people. There is no classification. It's do you have Christ or do do you not have Christ? So today as believers, maybe you've been following Christ for some time. Would you come back to him? Would you come back and say, God, I just so desire that fellowship. I so desire to sit down and have a meal with you again. God, I've been trying to, I've been playing church. I've been running on my own. I just, I just want you to meet with me. 
Father God, be with each person in this room. I know that the Spirit of the living God is moving in our church. God, you have stepped into this room this morning in a powerful way all day long, and people are coming to know you personally. God, we give you the honor and the glory, and we praise your name. God, I thank you for all in this room. I pray you'll help us as believers and many new believers. And Lord, for those that are a little skeptical, saying, I'm not ready to come out of that tree. God, would you knock at their heart's door all day? Would you go home and as, as they're in that tree, would you look at them and call them by name and meet with them today and transform their life? God, we're going to give you the honor and the glory of what you're going to do. We're so thankful, Lord. And as we celebrate this baptism here in just a few moments of a, a man in our church who's in recent days trusted you, God, I pray that this will be a celebration of the friend of sinners, Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing this song. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. Listen, Zacchaeus had pain, and Jesus came and he took the pain. He transformed him from the inside out. And then after we sing the song, we're going to go to a baptism. He's got pain. He's a pain share via video testimony here before he's baptized. So my name is Milo Vera. I've been coming to Crossroads with my family almost two years. Um, when I was younger, I was not baptized at all. My parents wanted me to decide which one I wanted to, which way I wanted to go when I was old enough. I did do five years of Catholic school, which 
has a lot of bad memories for me. Um, there's a lot of rigidity and things that go along with that. Um, so as I went through my life, decided that's kind of not where I wanted to go. I studied a lot of different religions in my 20s, just so I could know everything. And about almost two years ago, my wife had come here to Mops, and she said, hey, I think I'd really like to start going to church here because it seems like a real welcoming place. And I said, sure, why not? I came in here the first day, and I said, hey, this was my grandmother's church for her whole life. She died about a year and a half ago, still being a member of this church. Uh, when I first came here, I really wanted to give it my all to try to figure out if this is what I wanted to do. wasn't really feeling it at first, but I wanted to try to stick to the plan. Uh, I liked the way the pastor was preaching. I liked the stories I was able to listen to. He was very engaging. Uh, and then about a couple weeks ago, a pastor came and said, if you, if they asked somebody to follow you, could they? And I thought about that for a while, and I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm still learning. But shortly after that, something just came over me, like in my soul, like I could feel it. And I decided that I just had to be baptized because I had to share with everybody that, like, I have truly come to the point where, full circle, where I have decided that the Lord is my Savior. And I want to let everybody know. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful guy? Man of day. Milo, we thank God for the work he's done in your life. I know it's been a journey. And uh, as you said, you were researching all kinds of things. Uh, but, uh, but you have now understood that Jesus is the Christ, the yes. Son of the living God, and have you placed your personal faith in Him? I have. I know. You said it on the video already. So we, uh, we just want to thank God for that. We're going to celebrate that. So based upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. I love it. Milo, Milo came up to me after church last Sunday. His son, Cam, got baptized last week. And I know God's been working in their whole family, and it just touched him. He said, all right, it's time for me to show that I'm a follower of Jesus as well. Let's rejoice together, all right? God bless. All right, thanks be to God. He's the friend of sinners, and this is what God's doing. He's changing lives. If you're ready to be baptized, get a hold of us here at the church. We will help you and make this happen for you as well. Let's all stand together and rejoice in the Lord. God bless.